0: Hello and welcome, I'm Amanda Farmer and this is your Strata Property. Carlos Flores leads the National Australian Built Environment Rating System, also known as Neighbours, one of Australia's most successful sustainability initiatives. Neighbours is a government-run sustainability rating system which is at the heart of Australia's environmental policy for the commercial property sector. Carlos is responsible for all aspects of the delivery of Neighbors. I am absolutely delighted to welcome Carlos Flores of Neighbors. Welcome Carlos.
1: Thank you Amanda. I'm really excited to be on the show.
0: Pleasure to have you. Now, I was privileged to listen to your presentation at the Griffith University Conference back in September, and you told us all about NEIGHBOURS, and this was an acronym that I think a lot of us had heard bandied around a bit lately. We know it has something to do with property. Maybe it has something to do with strata property. Sustainability energy efficiency, environmental friendliness, that's all stuff that we talk about a lot on the podcast. And when I heard you at Griffith talking about Neighbours, there was something different, something different about Neighbours that other sustainability initiatives around Australia don't seem to have tapped into yet. So I wanted you to come on the podcast, Carlos, and have a chat to us about that. And I'm going to ask you straight up, what is it that makes Neighbours different to other sustainability initiatives?
1: Yeah, so that's a question I get a lot in recent months, and uh, I've been thinking about over the last few months on how to explain it a bit better. And I think the main difference between Neighbors and perhaps other sustainability rating schemes in Australia is that most of them have specialized on individual units, so mostly you know detached houses. And it's a little bit like when you, if you want to buy a skateboard or a bicycle or other transport device that is on the small end of the scale, you're actually focusing on you know, the features of those bicycles. Um, You want to look at what kind of wheels you have, what kind of gears, how many gears, do you have a basket or not? That's the kind of thing that you look for, the features of that. And that's what a lot of the schemes like Natus and Basics and, and other schemes that work at that level do. They look at what kind of windows do you have, what kind of insulation do you have. And the problem is that when you get into bigger buildings, houses are, you know, an apartment building, for example, it's much more like a rocket or a plane than it is a bicycle or a skateboard. It's made of many, many parts, a lot of equipment, and it's made out of systems that need to work together well to deliver the services to people in the apartment. So what we do as a program is that we don't look at buildings like bicycles or skateboards. We look at them as airplanes or rockets. We look at the systems that you have in your building. How do you deliver hot water, how do you deliver air conditioning? how do you deliver your lifts in your car parks, and it's all about how do you deliver the best systems you have for the lowest amount of energy and the lowest amount of water. So when you're being certified under Neighbours, what you get is a a star rating between one and six stars. Mm -hmm. What the star rating means is that a building that gets a three-star rating is a building that is using about an average amount of use compared to similar buildings in the same city. If you get a star rating of one star, it means that you're using a lot more energy than the average building in your city. And if you get five or six stars, it means that you're really sustainable, that you're really using 50, 60, 70% less energy than a lot of buildings in that city. So getting neighbors rating right, and a good score in neighbors means that your building really is sustainable, that the systems in that building are operating really well to deliver the services that people need.
0: Mm -hmm. So, you're not about uh, features so much. You're not about, um, let's say, solar panels or shower heads or light fittings. You're more about measuring the outcome and the results. Uh, And buildings may have those features, but it's about looking at what the output then is because of the effective use of those features. Is that a fair summary?
1: It's absolutely right. And before I joined neighbors a few years ago, I used to work in solar energy and I've seen a lot of solar panels in the top of buildings that were never maintained, that are not working anymore. And you know, solar panels that are not operating the roof are just as good as not having solar panels at all. It's not doing anything to help your building be more sustainable. So if a building can reduce a lot of energy by just turning lights off, or by putting the shiniest solar panels, or by just having better systems that operate a little bit better, We don't care. We just look straight at the power bill and we say, you know, are you really using less energy? Do you really have lower emissions? Are you really using less water? And that's what we actually reward under Neighbours. Mm.
0: Now Neighbours is government run. Uh, So do you fall under the state government here in New South Wales? Where, Where exactly do you sit?
1: We are a national program. It is run by the New South Wales Office of Environment and Heritage, but we respond to a board where we have members from all states, all territories, and the chair of that board is the Australian government.
0: Okay. And Neighbours has been involved in commercial properties for some time now. Is that right?
1: Yeah, we've been in this space for about 19 years now. We're turning 20. And a lot of our work has been on on commercial buildings. And I think it's it's fair to say that Neighbours has played a central role to make some buildings like offices and shopping centres. Australia has been a world leader in that space, and Neighbours is a big part of why that's happened. If mm. you look at the office sector today, most buildings have neighbours ratings. They disclose them every year and they improve every year. Seeing seen so many hundreds of buildings reducing power bills by you know, 40, 50, 60%. And that's partly because people have neighbours ratings and they know how well they're performing. Mm-hmm. They know how much better they could be doing if they put a bit more time on improving.
0: Mm. And when you say they disclose these ratings, how do they do that?
1: There's a legislation that is a uh, run by the Australian government. is called the Commercial Building Disclosure Act. And basically the way it works is that if you want to rent a space in an office, you need to have a neighbor's rating before you can do that. And when you're advertising your space outside of your building or on the internet, you actually need to tell people how efficient that building is. And so if in 2010, many people had never had a neighbor's rating before, they came into the program and they found out or the first time that their building was actually really inefficient, that, that they could say probably you know, 30 40 50% in power bills by uh, putting in a little bit of time, a little bit of effort, sometimes a little bit of capital, uh, but not always. And in that period of time, the last seven years, we've seen so many buildings just responding to just finding out how efficient you are can drive a lot of people to take action.
0: Mm. It's really interesting that in the commercial property space, that's mandated by legislation. Can you tell us what's happening in the residential property space and how Neighbours is now moving into residential
1: strata schemes? Absolutely. I think the one of the problems that we've had for a long time in the residential building space is that much of the policy is driven by states. So every state has different policies for new buildings and for existing buildings. And it's been really hard to get common policies that work, you know, in a similar manner across the country. And that's all well and good if you had companies that are, if all companies that work in Sydney were based in Sydney, but as you well know, many companies that develop and construct and design buildings are national companies that operate all across the country. And so they have to learn legislation and policy on every state and it gets really complex. Um, so we've heard the property council and bodies like the Australian Sustainable Built Environment Council asking for many years now to have more national policy and national programs that, that can cover, in the same way, you know, buildings in Victoria and buildings in Queensland and Perth and Sydney. And so what we're trying to do is basically creating a national certification scheme that any building can do, doesn't matter where you are in Australia, and it, that could be used for uh, disclosure purposes in the future, but it could also be used by people who are running buildings right now really well. There's a lot of people in high-rise apartments have put quite a bit of time and effort into making their buildings more efficient and right now they don't really have any way to be recognized for that and that's what neighbors is all about if you are really using less energy you can um, get a Neighbors certification which is relatively low cost and you can promote that to people who are buying and renting that space
0: Mm. so is that something that residential strata buildings can do now get a neighbors certification
1: that is something that we're going to be able to do in about eight months we're in the middle of the development phase and people who are really keen, you know, in every market, Amanda, there's always people who are passionate and they're at the forefront of sustainability. And we've seen a lot of apartment buildings already in this process, you know, doing a lot of work on, on solar energy and, and more sustainable waste. And so the tool is going to be launched in, in June. And it means that any building after that can be certified in Neighbours uh, across Australia. But if you're really keen on being involved before, we're going to be doing targeted pilots in four or five cities in different states around between March and April. So anyone who is interested in being one of those first buildings, getting certified and maybe getting a bit of a local media and attention to their efforts, we'll be very happy to work with them.
0: Yeah, fabulous. I'll ask you at the end of our conversation, Carlos, to give me a link or a website or some details where our listeners can go if they want to be part of that pilot and they can check out the show notes and click through to that. Now. Okay. You've mentioned there, Carlos, some buildings that, that are doing really well with improving their sustainability. Uh, in your experience being involved with buildings who are trying to achieve these aims, what are the problems, what are the stumbling blocks that you've seen some of them face and how have they overcome
1: those? A lot of the problems that you see in high-rise apartment buildings are very similar to the problems you see in some of the other markets that we're in. So if we when you look at a, an apartment building, it's, the common space in those buildings is so much more similar to an office building or a shopping center than it is to an individual house. You have you know, air conditioning, you have heating, you have lifts and car parks. And so the number one problem that you're always going to see in a complex machine like that is about how those parts work together. So we see a lot of in apartment buildings, a lot of equipment operating when nobody's using it. And that's probably the number one problem that you will see. But the important thing to remember is that this is not a problem about apartment buildings. This is buildings in general. We see that in offices, and we see a lot of people doing something about it and being able to get a lot of savings for a very small amount of money, but just looking at what things can we turn off when nobody's using them. That's probably the number one cheapest and biggest opportunity in apartment buildings. Having said that, there's opportunities everywhere. There's a lot of people that... You know, if you want to look at car parks, you can see, you know, how can you, you know, work with with fans to ventilate more or less a car park when it's being used more or less. The same with lighting in car parks. If you want to look at, um, you know, heating, there's a lot of heating systems. Uh, People who live in apartments do have patterns for when they use showers, for example. You see a lot of people having showers in the morning or late in the evening, but less people having showers in the middle of the day and in the middle of the night. So that's an opportunity to dial up or down some systems to match that. So the, some of these work can be quite complex, but I think the some of the really exciting things we've seen in the last maybe three or four years is the rise of a lot of startups that work in the space of putting a few sensors that are relatively low cost in a lot of places in your building and helping you to identify, you know, zero dollar opportunities to save energy or things that you can do for a very small amount of money to begin with.
0: Some of the guests on our podcast have been uh, behind those startups, and we've had uh, Illum Energy represented here and WattBlock. And one of the questions I was actually going to ask you, Carlos, is: Does Neighbors operate as purely a certification authority, if you like, or does Neighbors get involved in guiding? owners through that process of looking at different features in their building like a loom or what block might do or do you just stick to you guys fix it and we'll come and give you the rating
1: yeah that's exactly right so what we do is we try to complement a lot of what people in industry are doing so we don't go to your building and tell people how what to do exactly how do you save energy in that building in particular what we do is we tell them you know this building is one star and buildings that are one star usually have many, many, many energy saving opportunities. So we give them a, a simple indication of how well they're performing, and then we let a lot of people in industry who experts in this space to go in and help them. And part of the reason why we do this, uh, I mean, is because um, if you go to a complex machine like a high-rise apartment building, it's not like when you go into a house. In a house, you can in two seconds you can look at the house and you can go, you can change that light fitting, you can change this, you know, water head in the shower. When you go into a building, there are systems and they need a little bit more uh, analysis, a little bit more comprehension to find the opportunities. Mm. So, um, what we find in the office sector is that by giving people an indication of how well they're doing and leaving industry to step in and help people to find the best opportunities for their assets. A lot of people step in on that market and they do a much better job than we could.
0: Mm. And is the idea when it comes to disclosure for the residential property sector, is the idea that we would have similar legislation to what's in the commercial sector that landlords or, or perhaps vendors who are selling their strata units would need to disclose what the building's rating is? Is that the idea?
1: I think that's what a lot of people have been mentioning in the past few years and if you look at some of the public segments that have been made in the last maybe two years, both New South Wales and Victoria have commitments to at least explore a, a voluntary disclosure scheme for all residential buildings, both apartments and also uh, detached houses. And so we are seeing a trend in that direction. But I think if you ask me, I think is it's just a matter of time for when we're going to see more disclosure in this space. We don't know if that's going to be a few months or it could be a few years, but what we do know is that people who are purchasing apartment buildings today and people who are renting those buildings do not have any clear or transparent indication of how much money they're spending on the common space. That that information is really obscure and and difficult to obtain for a lot of people. And even if you get, you know, the amounts of money and the amounts of kilowatt hours use of energy that information tends to be meaningless to the people who need to make decisions because uh, when we were at Griffith University, I believe I asked to the crowd, which is full of engineers and people who know a lot about energy, I asked them who thinks that a certain amount of kilowatt hours is very efficient or very inefficient. Most people didn't know either. Most people didn't actually know what 100 kilowatt hours per meter squared mean. I've done that in a lot of conferences because those numbers are meaningless. And what we're trying to do in neighbors is just bring a language that people can understand. If you tell somebody you're building a three stars, and it's about average. Most people can understand that very easily and make decisions on that. If you're going to purchase a property and the building is zero stars in the common space, you know that building is using a lot of energy, much more than it should be using, and that you're going to be wasting a lot of money on on power bills that you could be saving. So it's about giving that simple language uh, to allow people who are making investment decisions to make better decisions and prefer buildings that are more sustainable and also improve the buildings that they're in already.
0: Yeah, fabulous. It's an excellent idea, as you say, giving that ease of access, ease of understanding of that kind of information, which can otherwise be quite complex. And I suppose for the people who are already living in these buildings, uh, at the end of the day, money talks. And if you can uh, have people going into the building and explaining how much money can be saved if they take up some of these initiatives. Uh, For example, not only are you going to save $10,000 on your water bill, you're also going to end up with a three or four star rating, which is then going to attract perhaps the, the kind of people to your building that you're wanting to attract because you're adding that kind of value and they're going to choose your building over the one perhaps across the road or
1: down the street. That's exactly right. And if you think about a lot of the financials make sense. And we've seen this, um, this change already in offices and in shopping centres. If you think about the the average two-unit apartment in Sydney or Melbourne or other or capital cities, you know it could fluctuate between you know, $500 to over $1,000. It depends on where you are and how big the space is and other variables. But But if you think about that, right, an apartment building that you're renting for say a thousand dollars a week, the amount of rent that you're gonna collect a year is about fifty thousand dollars, right? So if that building is wasting or power bills in the common space are five hundred dollars or three thousand dollars a year, that actually makes is a significant difference in the amount of returns that you're getting. You know, a building that is wasting a lot of energy is gonna cost you, you know, three, four, even five percent your total rental income and that has an impact on the value of that property Mm. so we've seen that logic happening in in the office sector as soon as you have enough people certifying, those market forces do start operating and you do see some properties getting you know two three four percent premium because they are more uh, sustainable Mm. and i do think that we're going to see this in the residential sector whether we're going to see it right now or it might take a few years to get there that's an open question at this point in time but i do think we're going to see it And the other thing that that is a strong force that is coming up is there's a lot of sustainable investment coming to the property sector. This has been, again, happening in commercial buildings for some time now, but we've seen the first few investors and particularly from big banks and and other institutional investors who are looking to invest in buildings that are low carbon Mm. and who are willing to either give a premium to buildings that that are more sustainable or actually only finance buildings that meet a minimum energy efficiency requirement. We've seen that in offices. I think, again, it's only a matter of time before we see it in residential buildings. And we've seen a couple of financial institutions that are very progressive in Australia that already have contacted us to see whether they can use neighbor's targets it's a minimal requirement to invest in a new development. So I think there's a few market forces that are going to come into the apartment sector. And it's really exciting because it's actually driving incentives in the right direction.
0: Yeah, fabulous. It is really exciting. And I love hearing about that, that real on the ground impact that Neighbours is having. And I agree, I think we're only going to see it go from strength to strength over the next few years. So excellent that you're at the forefront of that.
1: Thank you. I I think it's a one thing that I'd like to say, I think it's important to mention it, is that Australia has excellent conditions to be a world leader in sustainability in residential buildings. We have a you know very skilled workforce, excellent infrastructure, and what we need is to find the right incentives so people who are doing the right thing for the environment get the benefit and the financial benefit. And some of the things that I've mentioned are going to give some additional incentives to people. And I think we're going to see you know, more policies pushing more incentives in that space. And and I think I'd be surprised if we get to 2020 and building an unsustainable building Doesn't have some negative financial implications
0: on it. Mm. It's interesting that you say that Australia being at the forefront because I was in Perth recently at a conference at Curtin University and it was attended by property lawyers and academics from around the world. And one of the leading academics from the UK in Strata Title approached me and she was talking about a project that they're doing in relation to sustainable buildings. And I was telling her a little bit about the people I've been talking to here who are involved in those projects. I spoke particularly about Neighbours and I said, have you heard of Neighbours? And she said, yes. And she said in the context of commercial property and she was really interested in it. And I'm actually going to connect her to you to talk about the residential side and make sure that in the UK, they're looking at what we're doing here in Australia and getting ideas and being able to use some of those resources to take all that good work around the world. So really exciting.
1: That is really exciting. I was in London uh, about four months ago. And in in commercial buildings, neighbors is quite a buzzword at the moment because we have some concrete opportunities to do some pilots in the United Kingdom. And I think a lot of people who have been working in this space for a while know very well that office and retail buildings in Australia have become much more sustainable in the last decade than the trend has been in, in cities like London. That hasn't been the same in apartment buildings, but it's partly because we didn't have the right policies and the right tools to encourage that behavior. And I'm really, you know, I think my goal as a manager of of Neighbors is, I think by 2020, we could see an apartment building market where a lot of people are disclosing, certifying, and improving the carbon emissions and getting rewards for that. And I think that is achievable. We have a number of people pushing in that direction. And that's the kind of incentives that can make you a world leader. And I think we could be there in a few years.
0: Mm, Excellent. Looking forward to it. Now we're slowly running out of time, uh, Carlos, and I know you've got to run, but I do want to ask you the book question: What books have had the greatest impact on you, and why?
1: That's a great question because I do um, I do read a lot. It's really hard to pick a winner, but one book that I love is uh, called Creativity Inc. by the founder of Pixar and in the US. His name is Ed Catmull, and the reason why I love it is a book about management. But the reason why I really love that book is that managing a team of passionate people there's many books about that and all of them tend to oversimplify how hard it is to make a difference in the world and they oversimplify it with a small number of buzzwords and you know fail fast fail fast and and really um they don't give you an idea of how hard it is to make a difference a big difference uh, in the world the book by Pixar and Ed Catmull is all about how difficult it is, and how it's meant to be difficult to make a difference, and is that life and making a difference in the world is not about, it's not about being easy. It's meant to be hard, and, and that's fine because uh, easy is not really the goal. You know, changing the world and making a difference is what the goal is. Um, I would totally recommend it to anyone who's managing people or a team or a project where you need to influence stakeholders. is a wonderful piece of work. And if you love Pixar movies like me, I love Pixar movies. (laughs) It's also full of examples of great movies with, you know, Toy Story to Cars and Finding Nemo. It's just a wonderful read.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Creativity Inc. I'll make sure that we've got a link to that in our show notes for any of our listeners who want to check that out. Now, Carlos, before we wrap up, anything else you want to say? And how do our listeners find out more about you and Neighbours and particularly how do they get involved in that pilot program?
1: Absolutely. So our website, first of all, is... Neighbours.gov.au, and it's the best place to find information uh, about Neighbours. And also our email is neighbours at yeah,
0: And I'll just make it clear to our listeners, that's N-A-B-E-R-S, Neighbours.
1: Absolutely. And the best way to get in contact with us for a pilot is we would like to, you know, it's via email, we would like to know where you are. And we are looking for buildings that are high rise at this point in time. Uh, we want to mix from buildings in different cities. We don't want all buildings in Sydney or all buildings in Melbourne. We really want to go around the country and get quite a few champions around. So, if you have a if you live or work in a building that is you know more than 20 units and it has some common spaces like some air conditioning or heating or a car park, um, we would love to work with you and we'll go with you and work in your city and, and we'd we'll love to see how this product is going to work for other people. We're looking for people that are. Early adopters that are interested in participating in the design of a new product that can change the market. And that often takes a little bit of time, but it also is quite rewarding because people can help us shape the way this tool is going to work. So it's better and it's more lean and efficient once it's out.
0: Mm, excellent. I'll make sure all of those links and the email address are over at the show notes for this episode, which is at au forward slash podcast. Just scroll down and uh, find Carlos's headshot down there. Thank you so much for your time today, Carlos. I was really looking forward to our chat and uh, I'm so glad that we've been able to share the creativity and the game changer that Neighbours is.
1: Look, and I'm, I'm really excited. Neighbours is it's really about enabling people who are doing great work to showcase their achievements and get rewarded for that. It's much more about people out there than it is about us. And it's just really exciting to be here. And we'd we'll love to come back once we the tool is out and we have a few champions on the ground. We'd we'll love to share a little bit more about those experiences and those pilots.
0: Awesome. You'll be welcome. Thanks, Carlos. Thank you.